Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. I was I was talking to some of my coworkers, right? And they have and they have kids that are going through like the elementary sports program, you know, the various elementary sports programs that okay. one can go through as a kid. And I was reminded of my time in the elementary sports programs and how I was not good at any at any of them. None of them. I was good at none of them. Okay. Uh, so I'm trying to remember, like, what were you had rocket football, right? Yeah, I didn't do school? that. I did t-ball, soccer. Yep. And then in middle school, I did basketball. And then high school, I was on the swim team. And I bounced off of all of those. And let me just let me just kind of give you this one story. We'll kind of under you'll understand kind of where I was coming from the whole time. Uh, it was my first soccer practice. Almost called it rehearsal. It was my first soccer oh practice, my gosh. and the coach had us all huddled around again. We were like seven, eight years, seven or eight years old, and he goes, "What are the most important things about playing?" And one of the kids said to have fun, and he was like, "Yeah, you're right." And the other kid said to like respect everybody, and I said, and he was like, "Yeah, good." And and we and those were the two things, and we're like, "Nailed it! We can start practice." And I bring us back. I'm like, actually, before we get started, my dad also said that I should listen to the coach and all of my teammates, and that that should also be important as well. And there was crickets, and my coach was like, "Yeah, yeah." Yeah, that too. That too. All right, let's get going. And instantly, even as a kid, I'm like, oh, no, I don't fit in here. Ooh, I f- that one felt palpable. So, bro, I have, this, I have a different story, but in the same vein of obviously this kid has no idea what's going on. I played football for two years, sixth grade and seventh grade, right? Right before, because yeah. eighth grade was the first year you played for the school. Otherwise, you were just like one of six teams that played for the school, and we just went against other schools. Um, the first year, I did fine. Second year, dude, our coach was aggressive, like trying to get these seventh graders to play at a varsity level aggressive. Like, do you guys want to go pro or not? God. Um, <clears throat> and I hated playing with this guy because in practices, kids were regularly getting concussions. Oh, Wow. And I remember like hitting somebody and maybe my helmet wasn't fitted correctly, but dude, over and over again, like I was getting rattled, like my, it hurt dude over and over again. And then they're like, obviously half of you guys don't want to tackle. So we're going to do the Oklahoma drill, which is what ends up happening for, at least for us, his version of Oklahoma drill is going to be two people like facing one another. And he's going to throw the ball to one of you, and you have to run into the other person. So the other person's trying to tackle you, and you're trying to run through them. Okay. Over yeah, and yeah, over yeah. again. It was just like impact, impact, impact. Because you're just hitting each other over and over again. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. This is dumb. I quit before we even had one game. And there's also a special breed of middle schooler that sees that as an opportunity to prove how dedicated to the sport they are. And yeah, That's- make the coach proud. And I'm like, this hurts, bro. I'm 13, 12. <laughs> yeah. Like, and words are fuzzy now. And it's just like every time I felt like my, like I was getting, my bell was getting rung every time, dude. And I'm like, I don't feel good after every practice. And by the way, like we're getting yelled at when we don't hit each other hard enough. Cause sometimes I could just wrap them up and you don't need a hit, but he was looking like, I want it. It needs to be loud. Oh, God. And I'm like, this sucks. And I remember, like, I don't, I'm just complaining to everyone that I listen except for the coach. And I'm like, guys, this really sucks. This <laughs> Why really are we hurts. still doing this? And everyone's like, Alex is trying to form a union on the football team. I'm like, guys. And they're all like, what are you talking about? Like, this is football. And I'm like, guys, doesn't this seem a little crazy? Like, we're on the same team. What are we, what are we doing to each other? Yeah, so I think it was very obvious for both of us that uh, sports was not in our future. Um, I think I knew I kind of wasn't into sports when I was in eighth Before eighth grade, I did a summer basketball camp. And on one of the last days, I wore, uh, like, khaki shorts. 
instead of athletic shorts. And all the other kids were like, dude, what's wrong with you? I'm like, listen, no one told me not to. Okay. I don't know. Because the annoying part for me was I was athletic, but I didn't. It was one of those things that like the kids who were good at basketball had been playing for a while. You know, like they're like, oh, I started in third grade. So by the time they were in seventh grade, they've been doing it for years. I decided I want to try out sports when all these kids have been doing it for a while. Because I, I did everything. I played soccer. I played baseball. I played football. Um, I would I, I did shows. And the shows was the only thing I actually like had been doing for a while. So by the time I was doing shows with other people, I was the kid who had been experienced. But like this whole time, I remember trying out in seventh grade for the basketball team. And I'm like, you guys have plays? There's plays? I thought that was for football. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, I can't memorize this stuff. I'd never even heard of this before. So yeah. they you know, stop teaching you sports way sooner than you think. they. Yeah. Would. They're like, oh, you should know it by now. I'm like, I'm 11. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just stopped sticking my finger up my own butt. And I will again in a few years, but I have stopped for now. Okay. So, first of all, you don't, <laughs> don't speak for both of us. Okay. That made me very uncomfortable. All right. Do you want to talk about the movie? Let's talk about the movie. All right. We're talking about the 19, was it 1995 movie Heat, Val Kilmer, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, written and directed by Michael Mann. Yep. And uh, listen, we're just going to do all spoilers because, man, I don't want to separate it. We're just going to go into it. We're getting real lazy with the spoilers because this movie needs them. Does it? There's a lot of people who haven't seen this movie. Also... It's almost three hours long, which means the spoiler section could be the whole last hour, hour and a half. Okay. So yeah, let's, let's separate it then. We're going to talk about it in a non-spoiler fashion first, and then we will let you know again when we are going to dive into the spoilers. But if you don't want to hear us talk about this movie at all, you can skip to this time code, right? Time code 33 minutes. There are so many famous people in this movie. So many. I went into this movie for one reason and one reason only. A bunch of people told me, and by told a bunch of people told me, I mean I listened to them on a podcast, so I had heard through the grapevine that the the way this was shot changed the game. So what ended up happening is in this movie, the guns are not superimposed in post. They're when the people are firing blanks, um, it's recorded around like there are microphones stashed, so it sounds like a real gunfight. That's the only reason i picked it i knew de niro was in it and al pacino i'm like oh this ought to be interesting i didn't realize there's natalie portman's in this movie as a young person um william fletch fitchner is in this movie you might know him from the dark knight and a bunch of other stuff dennis Haysbird is in this you might know him as the all-state guy yeah mm-hmm. um val kilmer is in this yeah pacino de niro hank John azaria in is in this, this. uh Danny Trejo's in this. Yeah, his was the weirdest one for me. It was the whole thing. I'm like, people just keep showing up. And then there's some like people from the 80s and 90s who I wasn't really sure of. But I'm like, oh, they're famous. Like Ashley Judd's in this. I'm mm-hmm. like, what? It was it was crazy. So but here's a bunch of things I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know this movie was almost three hours long. Yeah, this movie is chunky. I didn't know that Al Pacino was the good guy. Yeah. And I didn't know that thir- until 30 minutes in the movie. I assumed he was on the bad guys team and just doubling as a cop. And, and I didn't know how similar Al Pacino and Robert De Niro looked during this time in their lives oh, you until this got movie. mixed up too, huh? It happened the first first 10 minutes. I'm like, "Wait, I had a double take. I'm like, why is Al Pacino beating up that guy?" I'm like, "Oh, that's De Niro." Because here's why. In almost every movie I've seen him in, Al Pacino is the one with the goatee. But in this movie, Al Pacino is clean shaven and Robert De Niro has the goatee. So that's kind of why I got it flipped in my mind. They also have very pointy noses. They have very similar, just kind of like the T shape on their face is very similar. They also so it's very you know, easy to get the lost same in same movies. Yeah. Um, so a quick plot breakdown, if that's kind of your steez, is Robert De Niro and Val Kilmer are on a crew of criminals and they are doing heists across L.A. And Al Pacino is the lieutenant of the police squad that has been tasked to catch them. 
the plot really is that simple. Yeah. You think that it wouldn't take them three hours to get that across, but oh boy, do they. Also, he's not a bank robbing detective. He's homicide. Yeah. So if these guys wouldn't have killed anybody, wouldn't have been his job. Yeah. And so he gets assigned to this case because they pull over an armored truck and just cap I mean, the three okay, security pull guards. over an they, armored truck. <laughs> they rob an armored truck. Fine. And they cap the three security guards. And that's how he gets pu- that's how Al Pacino gets pulled onto the case. And it, it, yeah, like you said, if they hadn't had done that, like there is one specific kind of like butterfly effect point of this movie where if they had just been okay with leaving witnesses, they would not have needed this elaborate cat and mouse game. Right. And they would 100% would have gotten away with it. But I mean, dude, I, I don't, as the audience knows, I don't like hiding how I feel about a movie. This movie's okay. Alex, oh my God, thank God. Oh movie, God. I would say, man, this movie had the potential to be great if it was an hour shorter. And hear Alex, me out, if it was an hour are- shorter... It'd still be two hours long. You are speaking my language. The first hour, I will say exactly, the first hour of this movie could be 10 minutes. Yeah. And the middle section is amazing. Yeah. Like the whole bank robbing scene. I don't care that that scene was 25 minutes long. The whole thing was awesome. And the middle of the movie is where we get some really cool characterization with Al Pacino's character which we hadn't gotten up to that point, which is 90 minutes into the movie. Right. It was so two hours in the movie. I thought there was five minutes left. Yeah. So Al Pacino's character is very similar to that, to the character he plays in Serpico in the sense that he has a significant other and he takes all of the crime he witnesses internally. And, So he doesn't share with his spouse and his spouse is like, I don't care what you see. I want to be a part of it. And he's like, nah, what I see, you wouldn't want to see. I see messed up stuff up there. You don't want to be a part of that. And it, it gets really old after a while. Yeah. But at the same time, the example he gave was, so a guy puts his baby in a microwave because he couldn't stand the crying anymore. I'm like, you're right. Maybe you should keep that to yourself. Yeah, it's, hey man, it's a very extreme example to get his point across. Let's break it down like this. The dude's had two wives already. This is number three. Red flag number one. Number two, he's a homicide detective. He doesn't. He's not a highway patrolman. He doesn't pull over people and give them tickets. This guy isn't worried about trespassing. He only gets involved when people die. That's red flag number two. Red flag number three is he doesn't have a therapist or anything. Yeah. He's just raw dogging life. But I'll, I'll tell you this. He handles it like an adult. He really Which is does. to say, experiencing everything internally and then blowing up at the wrong times. But he, he's not blowing up at her. Yeah. He's, he's not. She's like, I need more from you. And he goes, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. Like, I am who I am. He's also, in his defense, a 50-year-old dude. Yeah. Who's like, how did, how did you... We had talked about this. He brings this up. He goes, you knew I wasn't going to bring all that stuff at home. Do you want me to be normal? Because I'm trying my best to be normal right now. Do you want the real me or do you want a normal person? Because they're not the same thing. And like, it even gets to a point where he comes home and she had been sleeping with another guy. And he goes, yeah, I guess that makes sense. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. And the guy's like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know. And he goes, don't worry about it, dude. I'm really just upset that you're here enjoying the things I bought. Yeah. Like my wife is something else. Because... He knows his marriage is on the downhill and he goes, there's literally nothing I can do because he he has that hero complex of I'm saving the world. okay. and if you can't just love me for that, then this isn't going to work. You need to be cool with seeing me two hours, three hours a day. Okay, we are treading into spoiler territory. So do you want to like wrap up some initial feelings before we just dive into it? Okay, I think we could talk about a little bit more. Um, A couple things. This movie's got nothing but iconic lines everywhere. Yeah. Like, there's this kind of mantra that Robert De Niro carries around that I think has kind of been ingrained in media culture of he's a criminal, so he doesn't want to settle down. And he has this, like, life mantra of don't invest yourself in anything that you can't walk away from in 30 seconds as soon as you see cops come around the corner. Right. 
It's a very iconic line. Sounds nothing like what Craig said, but you get the point. There's also like, there's a scene between him and Al Pacino. And this is, by the way, isn't a spoiler because it's 90, it's halfway in the movie. <laughs> um, and they meet and Al Pacino goes, so I've met you now, but don't think that I won't put you down if I think you're going to turn some poor guy's wife into a widow. And then De Niro goes, don't you think for one second that if you got me cornered and I don't have a choice, I won't hesitate to put you down just because we've met each other. I don't care. And that's supposed to be a super iconic scene. There's also a couple of improv lines that I can't say because there's a lot of swearing in this movie. And we don't do that on this podcast. We friendly, friendly, bro. But if you just look up Al Pacino yelling, you'll get most of it. Dude, he yells too much in this movie. It's, <laughs> it's distracting. Yeah. Every other line is at the top of his lungs. Okay, so here's how I'm going to wrap up my thoughts before we head into the spoiler section. This is the movie that made me realize... Either, I haven't decided yet, but either I don't like Al Pacino as an actor or I just don't like the movies that he's in. I'm going to say you don't like the movies he's in. Okay. Because there's a movie called, actually, here's the, here's the test. You need to watch. The Godfather? No. <laughs> Scent of a Woman. Okay. It is not a gangster movie. Because the problem yeah. is we all we watch are cop and bad guy movies. Godfather, great movie. But it's, this, it's the same thing you've been. It's a different version of the Irishman. It's a different version of this, a different version of Serpico. You need to watch Son of a Woman. He is very much still Al Pacino, but he plays a different kind of character. Okay. He's a blind guy. So if you don't like that, then you don't like Al Pacino. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, which would be fair. There's a lot of people that don't like him. I just think he's hilarious. He's also in Jack and Jill. So if you want to watch that. <laughs> um, and Robert De Niro is fine in this movie. He didn't blow me away. Um, he plays a very like, res- I don't want to say a reserved character, but he doesn't like get aggressive. He's very like in touch with his feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows what he wants and he's not going to like, and he's, and he cares about the people around him. He really does. It's just, you do get to watch him balance that criminal lifestyle with, wanting to settle down but knowing he can't you know that's kind of the interesting character arc that he goes through and and that is cool to watch it's just that he doesn't get nearly as much screen time as al pacino does so it's you don't get as much time to watch that play out yeah it's it is tricky um these guys are great at playing the characters they're playing at this movie they play them in a lot of movies and they get a lot of practice uh Dude, I can talk about that bank scene a million times. So sure. we can wrap that up before we get in the spoiler section. So these this movie is just heist movies. It's a bunch of criminals and the cops are trying to catch them. This heist is set up so I just don't even say well. It's the final um GTA robbery from the yeah. bank. Mm-hmm. Is it's th- this I'm pretty sure that was modeled after this. And it ends the same way. There is a giant shootout. That And you can just tell the guns are loud. It's messy. It looks like civilians are getting shot left and right. They're dropping cops. They're dropping bad guys. I mean, cars are getting shredded. It's wild. It's and visceral. I loved it. it's, it's to the point where like I didn't have the TV turned up too loud. But I'm like, it. the gunshots feel so realistic. I feel like I should turn it down because my ears are starting to hurt. That's how it, I felt too, yeah. It. I don't even... I can't even describe it better than that. It's crazy. And if anything, it's one of the scenes that make this movie. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, I don't like to be, I don't know, maybe this is going too far, but if you watch the bank scene and you still, and you don't want to finish the rest of the movie, then you don't don't. quit. Yeah. It doesn't get better than that. Like if you're Um, not in it for the characters at that point, then you're out. This movie, I will say, is number 115 of all time as voted on by IMDb. So I think it is a classic worth... Oh my gosh. I think it is a classic worth watching, but it is what it is, man. The the people give it an 8.3 out of 10. Obviously, Craig and I are going to have a different number. But we're going to talk about the spoilers a little bit more. So if you don't want to hear us talk about that, you can go to this time code right here. Time code 33 minutes. 
we do have a discussion about a scene that involves a suicide attempt via cutting. You are also more than welcome to skip ahead to the next segment. Uh, The moment that I was talking about, I do kind of want to get into a little bit, is when the point where I mentioned where you can kind of see Al Pacino's humanity, where you can kind of see, like, the most character, the most genuine, probably the most acting that I saw from Al Pacino in this movie is... There's a scene where a young prostitute gets killed at a motel and he has to examine the body and the girl's mom breaks through the police line and he like kind of comforts her. That scene doesn't really like play into the larger story. um, But that moment right there was like hugging the mom saying like, hey, yeah, just trying to comfort her. So I want to I want to go over that with you because I saw that I'm like, I must not have been paying attention. Was that relevant at all? No. To, uh, to the best of my knowledge, no. Hey, man, movie's two hours and 50 minutes long. Cut <laughs> it. I don't care if it shows humanity. We'll figure it out another way. Like, I don't know, Natalie Portman slitting her wrist and her leg. Yeah. Also, a- that kid just happens to know where her arteries are. Because I saw that. And I'm like, oh, this kid is not messing around. So he walks in. Dude, okay. When I saw this scene, long story short, his stepdaughter attempts suicide in his bathtub at his house. While he is separated from his wife. Kind of separated. Um, There's too much going on in this movie for there to be a subplot with a daughter. Yeah. Because the movie starts and uh, and Al Pacino and his wife are, you know, making out and stuff. They come downstairs and he says something that's like makes it very clear that he wants to be in his stepdaughter's life more than her current father is making an effort to. Which is... Nice, except it gets brought up three times throughout the entire movie. Now, in the beginning, some part halfway, and then at the very end when she tries to kill herself. It was very disorienting because there's an hour-long gap in between the middle and the last one, and I forgot she was in the movie. So, it's it's even to the point where, correct me if I'm wrong, we don't know who the father is. Oh, we never meet him. Yeah, he's just referenced as this piece of garbage doesn't show up for his daughter kind of person and it's kind of a nice piece of characterization in the beginning like this guy despite what his day-to-day is like does want to settle down and be a part of this family except this like we said this characterization is referenced so infrequently and he ends up saving her like he throws he puts tourniquets on drives her to the hospital where for some reason his wife is already there looking for her. I'm like, first of all, you'd be at the police going station straight to the hospital. You, yeah. You're going to be at the police station, not the hospital. Um, It's weird. Also, the fact that we're just running into you is weird. Also, we just caught you cheating on him. And now and we're he, all lovey dovey. Yeah. And he was cool with it too. Yeah. It was one. Of, I think, I don't know if it was cool with it because he didn't enjoy it. It was just one of those things that, it was like, uh, I should have saw this coming. Our marriage has gone to crap. I've done this with two other wives. So he's just like, I'm going to leave. Yeah. And so I wish I had more positive things to say about that kind of character arc. But it was so few and far between that when it crescendoed at the end, it was just like, it felt like a little bit more. It just felt like it was adding more mess to an already messy situation. Dude, could you like keep track of all the dudes involved in these heists? Um, no, no. There were so many. You had a money launderer. You had the guy who yep. was coming up with the plans. You had De Niro, who's the boss. Then you have Valcomer, who is like his right hand man. Then we have a, a couple other gunmen who we see often. Danny Trejo. We had Danny Trejo, who I think would be another one of those gunmen. We have the Allstate guy who gets brought in late as there the driver. There was someone that looked like the Allstate guy. No, that was him. Okay. I could, okay. And there was multitude of informants. And then we all these heist people had wives and or significant others. And then we got yeah. to meet them as well. And it got to a point where I'm like, this is too many people. And there was also a rat that was informing on the yeah. crew. And at that point, he's the reason spoiler um, that the people in the beginning got shot and he comes back at the end and he's the one who rats on him. Yeah. And there's like a weird sub arc where like 
Al Pacino doesn't know who the rat is. They just know they have a rat. And then Robert De Niro has the same problem. So they're both kind of looking for the rat, but for different reasons. And that was weird. Yeah. And then it's weird because the rats like turn on each other, which is how they knew they were going to be at the bank. And then they also, there was a scene where they were going to commit a robbery and then De Niro just got a spidey sense that he was getting watched and that the LAPD was on them. So they stopped that heist. This movie is so long, bro. (laughs) And it's dense too. So let's break down the, the final sequence of this movie, right? Which was not good. No. So just bad. So Robert De Niro and his girlfriend, he's like, he has this girlfriend and he's like, you know what? I do want to settle down. I have a getaway plane. I'm going to start a new life with the money I have. And by the way, all the names have been released from the bank robbery because there was shootouts in the streets of L.A. So she knows he's a criminal now and she's not down immediately. It took her 15 minutes to get over it, which is pretty impressive because she's known him for two weeks. So. They are going to a plane and it's like, hey, there's this plane. It's going to be at Terminal 17 or whatever. It's going to land, stay there for five minutes and then leave with or without you. And so Robert De Niro and his girlfriend are driving to the airport. And before they get to the airport, he's like, hold on. There's something that I have to do. He gets off the highway, goes to the airport next to or go to the goes to the hotel next to the airport and does this. I'm going to say pretty elaborate entrance to also it. It's because the cops leaked the information to him. Yeah. And he's trying and he's going to kill the rat, but the rats being watched right now. He's the rat is literally being used as bait, which is not, a, not legal at all. And so Robert De Niro is killing uh, more time than he has that whole scene. I felt like he did not have nearly as much time as he thought he did. Yeah. I'm like, dude, Get where's your sense of urgency? The cops are everywhere, and to the point where he writes, he pretends to be um, room, room service, service, gets the number, takes the elevator up, jams the elevator, pulls the fire alarm, kills the dude by kicking in his door, takes out the neighboring cop watching the room, and escapes. Now that takes 15, 20 minutes of this movie, and we thought the movie was gonna be over. 30 minutes before this happened. Yeah. <laughs> so he escapes the hotel. He gets to his car. He is standing at the door of his car and he sees Al Pacino running down the street. And this is kind of where we get that moment of don't invest in anything you can't turn your back on in 30 seconds. And I would say a genuinely kind of heartbreaking moment in this movie is watching her realize that she was not important to him as she thought he she was because right. exactly like he said he was going to he turned his back on her and ran away and the last sequence of this movie is this i'm going to say incredibly drawn out foot chase to between be, I, al pacino and robert de niro they are running through like a 1v1 warzone match we both ran out of ammo and our primary weapons were on secondaries and we don't know where each other are yeah and so they are running through what feels like every terminal at lax <laughs> on foot on foot no backup in the dark we're going to miss every shot and now we're down to our sidearms. Yeah. And it was <laughs> obnoxious. Al Pacino is making shotgun shots at like 50 feet away. And I'm like, bud, even you should know that that's not going to work, right? Dude, it sucked. And then the la- there's a five minute standoff in a field. That was the, it was the worst part of the movie. And then Al Pacino is standing in the middle field. No cover at all. And somehow he still shoots De Niro. Yeah. And I'm it's like, the, it, it's, no, you should be dead now. You should be dead. It's his right turn now. with the Spidey sense. Because the, the way that worked was when planes flew over that part of the field, it would light up. So the lights would correspond with the planes that were going over. So the idea was Robert De Niro was hiding behind cover until the lights came up. Al Pacino would be exposed. He would round the corner and shoot him. But the lights came on, Robert De Niro rounds the corner, and Al Pacino, almost like he like he has aimbot or something, whips the, whips around 90 degrees and then like puts three in Robert De Niro. Which is ridiculous, because I'm like, you can't turn faster than someone can shoot you. You can't do it. 
It's one of those very clear good guy needed to win. Good guy needed to win, bro. And by the way, everyone in this point in the movie didn't care. Didn't care who won. And to be honest, it probably would have been cooler if the bad guy won. Because we'd also never find out what happened to Val Kilmer. He gets away. His wife kind of signals him off. And he also has a fake ID. And he just escapes. And then that's his closure, which is not closure, by the way. This movie was whack. And if it was just shorter, it would be great. Because Val Kilmer had a kid. Like, the reason he was doing these heists was like... I need the money for my family. Yeah, in his mind, that bank heist that was the shootout was, like, kind of his last job, right? The one perfect job. Yeah. And so when that goes wrong and he has to reconfigure everything in his life and can't... You know, that was, they're just kind of like, uh, he gets away. Yeah, it was so dumb. Because there's, after that second heist blows because of the Spidey sense, they're like, oh, the LAPD are here. Everyone, dip. It was nice working with you. Leave. And everyone's like, nah, man, we need the money. And at that point, which is an hour in, by the way, everyone's like, oh, these guys are going to die or get arrested. Because you know the LAPD's after you. You know he goes, our houses are bugged. Our cars are probably bugged. They probably have all of information. We need to disappear. And they're all like, no. And he goes, all right, you know the risk. And I'm like, so all of you just became amateurs right now. Yeah. So, Michael Mann, I want you to know that you and I have, we're we're, we're currently at 50-50 because this movie was okay at best, but you also made, you also directed my favorite Tom Cruise and favorite Jamie Foxx movie, Collateral. Great movie. So you are currently sitting at 50%. <laughs> so do with that as you will, Mr. Man. Yeah. Um, dude, I don't, there's not much. There's other movies. This one's iconic, and I think the shootout scenes are, aw- shootout scenes are awesome. That being said, YouTube it. Yeah. YouTube the shootout scene from the bank. If you like it, watch the movie. If you don't, you just watch the best part. Move on. Flat six. I'm going seven and a half. Okay. Seven and a half. It's got, it's like I said, you need five. If you have a good scene every 30 minutes, I'll give you a positive rating. It had a good scene every 30 minutes. And unfortunately, that was the only good part every 30 minutes. Um, I'll give it a seven and a half because it was awesome. And it can't, it can't get any higher than that. Because it's so long and you feel it the whole time. Can you time. imagine if there was a director's cut for this movie that was just like three and a half hours long? Dude, I'm just, that's also not adding very much time. It's this. I mean, it's adding 40 minutes. It's whack, bro. This movie's whack. Also, the I, we can't talk about this movie anymore. It's <laughs> seven and a half at best. At best, bro. All right. Well, welcome back, non-movie listeners. Uh, I Just, oh man. Whew. Zooey mama. Uh, we're going to move on to our improv s- scene and this segment I'm calling it's, it's kind it's new. It's simple, but it's new. Uh, this one is called wrong locations and the idea, it's just a simple scene that should have a very clear, distinct tone, but takes place at a completely inappropriate location. So for example, just the first scene that we're going to do is I'm going to say that like, You are a secret agent, and I'm kind of like the techie in your ear. Okay. But we're also trying to... I'm bickering to you about planning our wedding during the mission. Our wedding? Yeah. Listen, bro. Yeah, what's up? I'm starting to realize we're in a relationship, half of our improvs. Yeah, but that's life, you know? (laughs) Sure, man, I guess. (laughs) Very simple. Just you're maybe like a... One of those, like, black tie cocktail fundraiser undercover things. Of course. And let me guess. Fundraisers, it's a casino. It's a casino night. Sure. Everyone's Okay. Uh, I'm going to take 5,000, please, on red. Agent Good, please remember that this is the government's money that you're gambling with. Well, of course it is. That's why I'm gambling so heavily. Uh, just be careful on that roulette wheel. Uh, my odds have been saying that it's uh, it might be a little bit fixed against your favor. What does that even mean? It's if it's a- fixed against my favor, then it would just... Ch- it's either red or black. Also, how do you... That doesn't make any sense. I think you're... Uh, this is a little bit of a weird hostility to come at me with. Is there something else on your mind? Yeah, a couple things. First of all, 
we're getting married soon. Okay. And it's a little weird that you're doubting me already. We've had the financial talk. We've gone to counselors. Let's not this be, let's not make this another money thing. You know, listen, I'm, I wasn't trying to make this into a money thing. You turned this into a money scene. The target is up the stairs to your left. <sighs> okay. I'm closing in on them. I'm going to see if I can attack from a different angle. I don't have a shot. Okay, Listen. see if you can circle around and approach him from another angle. I'm just saying... I just said that. Oh. Are you listening to me? I mean, it's just nice to, you know... I was taught that in order to prove that you are listening, to showcase that you are listening, sometimes you should repeat back what the other person says to acknowledge that, you know, I understand your intention. Or you can say, Roger, or I understand. Let's not clog... You know I've realized... And we've, I don't, can't remember if we talked about this before. To be honest, we've had just as many arguments in my dreams as we have in real life. How come you have to explain every single thing? How come you can't just say, I'm sorry, I won't do it next time? I mean, it's kind of a matter of my profession that I do have to explain everything that's going around you. On I the radio am. right now, on a mission. I mean, I'm I, talking I, to nobody right now. People are looking at me. Okay, well, maybe if you went into a more covert location to carry on this conversation, we might not... If I not... go to a lo... I'm the professional here. If I go to a different location, I'm going to lose sight of the target. He's ducking into the bathroom. I'm following him right now. I'm just... I think that you take your job very seriously, and I take my job very seriously. And I don't think that's a fault of either of ours. I just think that we need to understand that when we dedicate something so much that sometimes it bleeds into our personal lives. He's got security. I have to wait for him to leave. All right. Um, I am it's just activ- annoying to me because I've been in the field for years, decades, actually, and you've been in the fear- field for months and you're telling me how to do my job and telling me how to gamble and you're second guessing me on the radio. All right. I am currently cloaking your technology. You should have about 45 seconds where you are a dead spot to them. Uh, I just think that it's kind of unfair that you weigh your practice against my practice because we do very different things. You know, I don't pretend to know what you do. So why do you have to uh, pretend see, to I know what I do? do? Okay, I'm taking the shot. Thank you. He's down. I'm heading towards the exit right now. All right. Contacting MI6 so that way they can pick up the target. I'm just fed up on how you literally wait till my life's in danger to bring up issues between us. Well, sometimes when your life is in danger is the only time that you listen to me. And you don't think that's a red flag? I think it's something that we need to acknowledge so that we can work through. Watch out. His bodyguards are coming up the stairs now. You need to get up through the vent. Turning around, turning around. I need alternate exits right now. All right. One of the vents is screwed loose. You can pop up through there if you hurry to the right. What am I curious, George? I'm not going through vents. Pick another place. All right. If you head right outside that bathroom, you'll head to the kitchen and you can take a dumbwaiter down to the basement. Got it. Moving. So I just think that you can understand that, you know, maybe I do have a bit of a tactical ear. And when I say that I want to plan most of the wedding, that you shouldn't get too jealous about that. All I'm saying is if we're going to spend 20 grand on a wedding, maybe you don't second guess my bet on red heading down to the dumbwaiter right now. All right. The lever for the dumbwaiter should be right next to it. You might need a passcode to get in here. Try 1376. A passcode on a dumbwaiter? Okay, for some reason, this has a passcode on a dumbwaiter. Give me one second. You know... Heading down. Maybe I think that uh, what we should really take away is if you can trust my passcodes, I can trust your government bets. That has got to be the dumbest thing I have ever heard, and I think we should postpone the wedding. I mean, I think that's kind of unfair to... To you know, not just us, but everyone right, I'm that's... I'm worked- to the vehicle right now. I need one of these to unlock... I All right. I, none um, of these are mine. Uh, try the third red Chevrolet from the back. Okay. Give me one second. I it's just think still that, locked. Okay. Um. Did you? Oh, sorry. I'm the the Tesla in front of it should be good. I have okay. remoted into it now. I just All think right, that it's I'm unfair to the people that you know, uh, just that planned the wedding and to the people that have already taken off work for the wedding. Oh my! Give me a second. I'm getting shot at. Cox gun. <laughs> that was straight out of like mr and mrs smith bro it really was right. <laughs> we've watched a lot of movies that's dialogue from there straight up dialogue all right Is, listen that might not have been entertaining to the audience but that was impressive <laughs> all right let's move on to our middle segment we're doing some moonlighting which means buckle in boys we've got some work to do 
Uh, Moonlighting is when Alex and I watch too much content for us to talk about during our freeballing segment. So we just kind of take some time here in the middle to go over what we've done. Um, Man, I I, want to start with this movie that I watched. It's a little indie film called Green Lantern. Ryan Reynolds version? Yep. 2011. Uh, That movie is not... mm, How do I put this? Good? Not good. It's bad. I don't remember when I saw it, that it was bad. Here's the thing. The movie has cool ideas that it executes poorly. A lot of the problems with this movie is that it is difficult to look at. Mark Strong, specifically. He plays Sinestro, and it hurts in general. Uh, Also, the antagonist, Hector Hammond, uh, he's one of those so smart his head is grotesquely big and he has to use a wheelchair so that way he can fit and carry his huge dumb head by far my least favorite character design ever if your character is so smart you have to make a gross big head about it you need to take that character back to the chalkboard that what that sucks it, it it is ugly and bad and the cgi suit is bad the mask is bad I don't think I like Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan. Um, he's like too charismatic and like, I don't know. It, it was, it just like, it didn't rub me the right way. Um, the fight scenes were cool and the constructs were cool. So like the green lantern fight scenes were cool. It's just everything in between was difficult. Also, I think this is the movie where I can just confidently say, I don't like Taika Waititi as an actor. That's fair. Where I, I understand why you would think that. I just like I've seen him in enough things now to where I am just not a fan of his acting style. Yeah, I think it's cool, but it's gonna get old for me fast because Ragnarok, Free Guy, um, Jojo Rabbit. He's all the same dude, and he plays Hitler in one of those. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's funny now, but much like Dwayne the rock johnson it's if you play the same dude often enough i'm gonna get it's gonna get old and i'm gonna get tired of it and i just haven't reached that point yet but it's coming so i think that a good green lantern movie is not far off from what was written in 2011 there was just like there was just some disconnect between pre-production and actual production and it just it just didn't click all right Ryan Reynolds, who played the protagonist, famously hated the movie. He has admitted to having a poor working relationship with the director and was glad to see the film perform poorly critically and financially as he did not want to reprise his role as the Green Lantern. Yeah, and I don't blame him. Uh, He's got big superhero energy, and that just got directed into Deadpool amazingly. Doesn't he also play an X-Men with the swords? Uh, Yeah, that was also like a version of Deadpool. And then he also is in the uh, Wolverine Deadpool with no mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's he's all over the place. He's kind of like Chris Evans, who's like big superhero energy. And he had to try out Fantastic Four before he came and did Captain America. And you're like, well, at least the second one was good. So we can forget about the first one. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what do you got? I watched a bunch of stand up like loads. Um, I got around to watching Rathaniel, the Jared Carmichael. Uh, oh, yes. Stand up. It's a one man show. I I get that on paper it's a stand up, but he didn't stand up. <laughs> um, he sits down right. the entire special, the entire time, and he does the cool teacher sit too, where he's kind of like on the front of the stool, very like engaged with the people in front of him. Here's the thing about stand up that I like, and you can call it just call it a one man show if it's a one man show. Stand up for me is heavily rehearsed humor. Most of this special is not heavily rehearsed. The last 20 minutes is him having a conversation with the crowd. Yeah, and I know this is literally breaking the definition of all the words I'm about to say, but for me, stand-up, especially a stand-up special, is like a one-person dialogue. Where 
you feel different parts of a conversation all coming from one person. Obviously, that changes with like club shows and whatnot. And this was a club show. Yeah, I'm okay with crowd work because crowd work is when you ask them, hey, what do you do for a living? And they're like, actually, I'm a doctor. And they're like, and you're here right now? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, shouldn't you be saving lives or something? Like, what are you doing? That's when you're you're fishing for jokes from the audience. He's not fishing for jokes from the audience. The audience is shouting out things like, has your mom ever forgiven you? And he goes, no, I don't know. Not really. I'm like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> this is, this is what, are you, what is going on right now? You're supposed to be asking them questions like, hey, whoever's had a threesome? And one person goes, raise their hand like I did. And it goes, two guys or two girls? And they go, I'm not sure. And they're like, what do you mean you're not sure? That's how crowd work works. You're looking for jokes. Okay. It, so This let me, feels like borderline heckling. So, so let me ask one very simple question. Was it funny? I think the first, it's an hour long special. Yes. I think the first 20, 25 had jokes that he had prepared and had worked on in clubs and had practiced and knew they were good. The last half is I'm just going to do therapy on stage and I'm not going to watch this again. And I also wouldn't recommend this to people because when people say I want to watch stand up, this is not what they're talking about ever. Yeah. Um, so there's that. There's Nathaniel. Um, the worst stand up show I watched was by Brendan Schaub called Gringo Poppy on YouTube. You, uh, you're coming in hard on this one. Here's the thing. He is a new stand-up. He's only been doing it for seven years, um, which is very short as far as putting out specials. Most people you see put out specials have been doing it for at least 15. So he's got half the time. It's also a 30-minute special. Um, oh, my which God. Is, which is fine. There's a lot of people who put out great 30-minute specials. Taylor Thompson has a great 30-minute special. Um, Joe List has a great 30-minute special. Um Brian, there's a bunch of them. You can look them up on Netflix under the standups. This one's just bad. So um, I currently have it pulled up on YouTube and um, you are not the only one that shares this opinion. Yeah, oh I, my goodness. The tricky part is you're not, people are not used to watching a special of a person this new. Like, okay. it's just not everyone you see. Bill Burr has been doing it for 30 years. Um, Taylor Thomason has been doing this for 15 Everyone's been doing this for twice as long as him. So it almost feels like an unfair comparison. But at the same time, he's competing for our attention with these people. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say it's bad. I would say it's what you would expect from a seven-year stand-up. But nobody knows what that looks like because no one puts out specials at seven years. It feels weird, bro. Mm -hmm. It'd be like, I don't know, a sophomore speaking at a senior's graduation. We're like, hey, man, you just got here. Um, it's funny. Some people like it. A lot of people don't. He's also in some controversy right now with asking out people's significant others. And he's saying it didn't happen. And it's a whole, it's a lot of allegedly he, uh, he said, she said, but it's not looking good for this guy. So I will say as far as your limited time and I want to watch stand up, stay away from gringo poppy. All right. I watched another superhero movie. Okay. Um, it was uh, <laughs> Superman Returns, all right? 2006, Brendan Routh is Superman. Kevin Spacey is Lex Luthor. And it's <laughs> I looked up online where it is a sequel to the 1980s Superman 1 and Superman 2. It just straight up ignores Superman 3 and 4, which most people do. Okay. Um, it's just kind of wild because they assume that you have watched those movies and just kind of pick up where they left off. Without saying much. Also, this movie is two and a half hours long. Did not need to be. Oh, boy. So where Green Lantern was cool ideas that was executed poorly, Superman Returns is boring ideas executed very well structurally. So in general, boring movie. Not much Supermaning happening. I th he's like, he saves people like three times. In the, in the whole two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. So that was a little less than ideal. Brendan Ralph is a good Superman. I don't know if he's a good Superman because I know that there's Henry Cavill out there. Cavill? Cavill. 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 Henry Cavill is out there. So now that I know that he exists, this guy makes a great DC Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. And he's played and he's reprised his role as Superman since then on 
the CW. And that makes, he's a very CW Superman, but when it comes to big budget movie, you got to pay for the goat. Bro. Uh, yeah, I think that, the, you know, he was kind of a new actor at this point, And I think that if he were to have just a better script now, I think he'd knock it out of the park. I think he does a very good Christopher Reeves style Superman. And you can see it in his physical performance. He is trying to be Christopher Reeves Superman. Um, but at the end of the day, it was just boring. There, I almost didn't finish this movie. Where I, it was one of those. I still have thirty minutes left, and I just, I almost didn't do it. But uh, I stuck it out, and I'm not, not happy that I, di- you know, it's whatever. It's a, this is a five also, but because it's boring, not because it's bad. Okay. Um, I'll give Jared's, Ger- no, my bad, Gerard, Gerard, Gerard's, Gerard, um, special four and a half. I'll give Brendan's, and this is not his fault, but I'm giving it a three. Um, I watched Chris Stefano's Speshy Weshy on Netflix. Not a great special. I, I like jokes, bro. So I don't like the feeling of you winging it. And he tells stories that I've heard on podcasts, and I don't feel like they are trimmed down best possible version of those stories. I feel like I'm listening to a podcast. So I'm going to give that one a six. Okay, because I see clips of him and his podcasts. And like, and he's great on podcasts. Yeah, he, just seem, he seems like a really cool guy to have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you like his podcast, watch his special. Um, it's on Netflix, Speshiweshi. I think it's 26 minutes long. He puts out clips on YouTube. He also has like stuff on his Patreon. It's everywhere. It's if you like his podcast, you'll love his special because it's the exact same thing. Um, which is good, I guess. Uh, another New York comic, Dan Soder, has Son of Gary. That's out on HBO. Hour long. It's pretty good. He's got some stoner humor. Um, so it's just a little bit slower, but it's good. I think his. You can tell he's been doing it for a while. Um, the problem is he's got a lot of peers who are murdering right now. Yeah. Um, he's good. He's been on, he just, I think he was on Rogan like two or three weeks ago. You can always listen to that. Listen to him for about 20 minutes. If you don't like that, it's a very good. It's very indicative of how he is on his special. He's good. Um, not my favorite, but I would give him a solid like six and a half. All right. And that was son of Gary on HBO. Dan Soder. I watched. Jurassic Park for the first time. I've never seen that movie all the, the way OG, through. The huh? OG, yeah, the OG. Great movie. It's it's really good. It's one of that movie. The movie's kind of scary. It holds up too. Yeah, like there are so many iconic scenes from that movie where you watch it and you're just like, oh yeah, that's scary. I get it. Yep, I get it. Like the whole Jeep scene. Yeah. Wild. Uh, and so. I watched it just kind of, you know, in the middle of the afternoon. And I'm like, if I watch this at night by myself, I would probably not want to go to bed for a hot minute. Yeah, dude. And like, the velociraptors as well. That's the freaking thing. terrifying. The two scenes that like genuinely scary is like you said, the Jeep, you know, the Tyrannosaurus attacking the Jeep and him trying to get the kid out. And then the fact that that is immediately followed by him trying to get the kid out of the Jeep again, but out of a tree, like high anxiety the whole time in the dark, in the rain and their kids. And then at the end of the movie, when the velociraptors are inside the kitchen with the kids, like no, thank. Oh, no, thanks. I would have given up. I would have been like, I'm killing myself before you can get to me. So, and also the kids are really good in that movie. Like as far as, like not even as far as kid actors go, just like, I also think that those kids are written very well. They have like genuine personalities that aren't just, I'm the smart kid. I'm the kid that's a vegetarian. Like they had genuine personalities and it was engaging to watch them in that movie. So everyone in that movie is really good. So like, I think that one's like a... 7.75. 7.75. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. And I would probably give it the same thing. Um, Three more. Christina P. Mom Jeans on Netflix. Just came out on Mother's Day. It is too much for me. Um, It's all mom humor and Gen X humor. And if you don't know Gen X humor, it's very similar to boomer humor where you make fun of other generations. And that got so old so fast. 
If I hear one more joke about a gluten allergy or peanut allergy, it's just, there's nothing you're saying that hasn't been done before. It's obnoxious. Um, and I like Christina P bro, listen to her podcast again. I've noticed that if I like your podcast, I probably won't like your standup. And if I like your standup, I won't like your podcast. It's because I'm seeing different versions of you and I'm enjoying one side. When you show me a different side, it feels weird. And I like her as a podcaster. The standup didn't hit it for me. I'm going to give it a four and a half. It was hard to watch, bro. It was rough. It's on Netflix. Um, who else did I watch? Oh, David Spade. He has a special called nothing special. Yes, he does. Also on Netflix. I love David Spade as an actor. I love him on podcasts because he's mean, dude. And he's mean as an actor. Like in Tommy Boy, he's just mean the whole time. And I thought it was hilarious. Um, the tricky part is his stand-up feels too relaxed. I feel like he's not trying. Um, and I felt like there was a couple things where I could he could have tried a little bit harder. His jokes are not super conventional, so you're not going to hear a bunch of stuff you've heard before. But I would say it's an average special. It's I to be honest, I remember that special the least out of all of these. Oh, so I'm wow. going to give it a flat six. And then I- I'm going to round it out with my favorite, Joe List. It's on YouTube called This Year's Material. It is pound for pound one of the best specials I've seen in a while. I've been seeing Joe List pop up on my TikTok a lot more. Him and he does a lot of stuff with Mark Nomad or Norman. Uh, Mark Norman, yeah. Yeah. So Mark I Norman's see, getting real big right now. Yeah, I see both of them pop up like on my TikTok pretty frequently. They do a podcast called Tuesdays with Stories, which might be what that's coming from. Yeah. But Joe List, dude, the New York comedians, uh, comedians like Mark Norman and Joe List and Tim Dillon, all those guys, dude. It's just joke, 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 joke. You're not getting a lot of like political opinion. You're not getting like, this is my life story. The dude's a murderer, bro. I would recommend this special to just about anybody who likes stand-up. Okay. Um, it's an hour long and it goes by fast. It's jokes the entire time. Those are the best. I love that. It's, yeah, just Joe List. It's called This Year's Material on YouTube. Highly recommend. I'm giving it an eight, maybe eight and a half. It's just, it's funny, dude. And it's very relatable. It's not confrontational. He doesn't take a lot of crazy stances. So you don't have to feel like, man, I'm watching this with people. I hope he doesn't say anything about Trump. Don't worry about it. It's the guy's a killer. And I loved it. Shout out Joe List. All right. uh, Last thing I have to round out is I've been watching season four of Young Justice. Okay. Yeah. And I watched. Listen, I've been on the Young Justice train. Actually, I started the Young Justice uh, right before season three started. So back when all the DC original shows were on DC universe before they migrated over to HBO max. I was in on all of that, you know, Titans, doom patrol season three of young justice that I was on the ground floor for all that. And season three of young justice was okay because they introduced a lot of new characters and I just didn't vibe with like any of them. But now season four, they're just like, never mind. Let's go back to the characters you do like and spend like four or five episodes with each of the original characters. And it does like, it does not pull any punches like with it. Like the first arc, one of the main characters dies dude, and in a very emotional way. So I'm just like, all right, I am on board with this. So if season three of Young Justice didn't like strike your fancy, season four is a lot better. The only problem is because the arcs are like four or five episodes long, if you don't like a topic or if you don't like a character, buckle in because they're here for a little bit. Dude, they're also 22 minute episodes. I might need to get into this. It's, it's a, so Young Justice is, you know, very much like a Cartoon Network show in the sense of, the first season is kind of a cartoon, but then seasons two onward, it's like, this is a regular TV show that just so happens to be animated. Dude, I'm st- I'm so down, dude. This looks dope. Yeah. Uh, it- found out Dennis Quaid is Bruce Wayne and Jesse McCartney's in this. Yeah, Jesse McCartney is Nightwing, and it's so good. It's, it, uh, it's chef's kiss. That The show is so good. 
Um, also, like seasons three and four feature a Beast Boy that we really haven't seen on TV before, where Beast Boy has always been kind of like the ooh yeah, but it in like <laughs> seasons three and four he's a lot more like tempered down. He's still goofy, but like more in kind of like the Hollywood influencer kind of way. Not okay. so so like. He's a TV star, so he still has a big ego. It's just he plays it differently, and it lets him be emotional and, like, show different sides to a personality, and it's a really cool exploration of character. Young Justice is has an average rating of 8.7 on IMDb. You bet the it does. top 250 and is number 135 of all-time TV shows. You bet it is. So I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm freaking, That's awesome, dude. I want to check it out. All right. Uh, let's do our one hit wonder. Sweet. What is it? Uh, this is, so as we're kind of, uh, running out of ideas for one hit wonders, um, I'm thinking if we come up with like a really niche scene idea that doesn't really fit in an improv segment, the one hits are going to start where, where I'm going to start funneling these ideas. Um, so this scene is simply called a date with an interviewer where it's our first date, but I'm behaving like it's an interview. Okay. Let's do it, man. Of course, we're in a relationship again, twice in one episode at this point. I am using you as catharsis. Okay. You think you're on Jimmy Fallon. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, you got a name? Yeah, it's Craig. We've been friends for like seven years. Pronouns? Uh, either. Take your pick. I won't say no to any of them. Okay. Sounds good. Um, uh, so, Alex, uh, thank you for joining me here today. Yeah, no problem. Um, Wait before we start the scene. Are you the interviewer or am I the interviewer? I'm going to I'm going to be the interviewer. I wasn't ready for that. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, th- uh thank you for joining me here. Yeah, um sorry I was late. I mean, traffic was pretty crazy. Um, I, I didn't know you were going to be here early. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um are you mic'd up and everything? We were mics? You, you know what? No, you know what? We'll be fine. We'll just pick it up later. Okay. Um So uh how long have you been in the area? Uh, I actually grew up here. Um, actually graduated from high school, maybe like a couple miles down the road. So I'm pretty familiar. Okay. Um, are okay. you new here or anything? I mean, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of go where the job takes me. So, you know, I'm kind of here for now. Oh, what um, do you do for work? Oh, uh, I am a hiring manager at, you know, several various corporations. I'm just, Sweet. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of a freelance hiring manager. It's like, um, up in the air, but the opposite, um, Nice. Okay. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. I, I like that uh, that reference. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it said on your profile that you had uh, graduated college recently. Um, do you want to? I, I don't see anywhere that says your GPA. Do you mind expanding on that? Um. Sure. Uh. Yeah. I took some honors classes. Couldn't. I mean, they were, as you know, they're pretty difficult. I. Ended up averaging like a B in most of them. So I think I finished with like a three, four. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, not too bad. Not too bad. I think we can work with that. Um, okay. Uh, do you have a reliable means of transportation? Um, yeah. I, I drove here just now. Okay. Okay. You, you know, some, pe- some people show up and, they, and you think that that would be enough, but sometimes it's not. Um, what, okay. about, what about availability? Are your weekends open? Did you want to order food or anything? Oh. Um, I mean, it seems a little uncouth given the situation. I mean, like, I don't want you to think that, you know, you have something, you know, on me that, you know, you're trying to butter me up by getting me food. Well, um, we're at a restaurant. Okay. And we're sitting together. So I figured we would order something. No, Did no, you no, want no. to just grab drinks or something? Yeah. I'll, I'll just get like a, like a Dr. Pepper or something. Um. Oh, are we not? Um, okay. Um, and I'll have uh soda with lime, I guess. All right, soda with lime under. Okay, just gotta make a note of that. Um, what's your job okay. history like? Um, well, I, I mean, I just got out of college. Does this seem? Are you okay? Are we? No, something... I, I'm doing fine. You, you are the one that seems to be struggling a little bit. But you know, I'm Alex, right? Alex, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're here. We met on Tinder. I mean, yeah, and I'm here to get to know you to make sure that, you know, you're right for the position. So uh, if you would stop dodging my questions, honestly, this is not looking good. I will make sure to pass this behavior up the chain a little bit. But you, you sent those pics together and you I, said you wanted to hang out. I, I, don't pos- I, could, I couldn't possibly know what you're talking about. 
Well, you're Craig Wells, right? Yeah. And we sent pictures, and you said, hey, we should hang out immediately. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, Can you give an example of which you felt like you provided good leadership to people around you? Yeah. So there was one time I showed up to a restaurant, right? And I had no idea what was going on. Um, And I kind of convinced the person who showed up with me that we were going in a weird direction. And it was really about time that I took charge and decided we're going to their place right now. Oh wow! Thank goodness. So I've been I've been interviewing dates for weeks, and you are the first person to take charge. Like, I've honestly just been waiting on someone to do that. I've I've been held hostage in this interview mindset for decades. Let's get out of here. No. Cox gun. I don't know. Dude, I was doing it to you. Gosh, <laughs> Mexican stand. It was just you're on a first date when you both draw on each other and shoot each other in the face. All Not right. bad. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, genuinely awkward. Yeah. Next week, we are watching Conan the Barbarian uh, as a setup for our franchise month, which is, oh boy, I am, I'm, I'm ready for this. I, so in June, we are watching the Terminator franchise. And like we did with Fast and Furious, we are going to be watching a movie from before the lead actor's time in said franchise. Like in Paul Walker, how we watched The Skulls with Arnold Schwarzenegger, we are watching Conan the Barbarian. And Good luck. Yeah, good luck. So <laughs> This is going to be rough. There yeah. are six Terminator movies. Yeah. Um. So now that we've kind of done all of our proper outro stuff and people that want to leave can leave, do you want to talk about Doctor Strange for just like a second? Just a second. Yeah. Alex and I talked about it privately before, you know, without recording, and we both really liked it. The movie is definitely better than the new Spider-Man movie. Because yeah. the Spider-Man movie put all of its money on previous IPs. It bet the house on nostalgia. And, in its defense, it won. But the plot sucked. Yes. This movie had a bit of that. Had a couple surprise moments, but the plot was dope and the scenes were dope and the CGI was fire except for the beginning with the big eye. Oh, dude, it was awesome. Yeah. And if you, I think I mentioned this on the podcast where one of my biggest hangups with Spider Man was it was a problem of his own creation and other people got hurt because of it. And I kind of lost respect for Spider Man because of it. In this movie, it is a problem of someone's own creation and people got hurt because of it. And it adds to the story and builds their character better. But it's also good because the good guy didn't cause the problem. Yes. When the good guy causes the problem that he has to fix, it's an issue. When the bad guy does something stupid and wants to commit murder. It makes well, sense. Well, it's okay because they're the bad guy. That's their job is to do bad things. So in general, banger, just solid banger. Yeah. All around. Watch WandaVision. You don't really need to get into anything else as much of what ifs. I mean, I guess there's a Doctor Strange what if that a lot of people reference. Um, you Honestly, watching the other Doctor Strange because it came out so long ago might help as a refresher. But WandaVision is the big one. Yes. Yeah, I am not one. taking we'll my dad to this movie until he's seen WandaVision. Right. Um, Spider-Man is referenced briefly about whether or not he's gone to the metaverse. The metaverse looks like he's going to Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) Dude, all these hybrid names are dumb. They are. Um, If he's had experience with like multiple realities and he gets, yes, I'm pretty familiar. But other than that, you should be good. WandaVision is the big one. It carries a lot of emotional weight in this movie. Yeah. Also, shout out Rachel McAdams, as always. Freaking dude. Doesn't get better than her. But anyway, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. While you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.